Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Translation Company Talk. I'm your host, Sultan Ghaznawi. Today we are going to cover an industry view with GALA's Alison Furch. The Globalization and Localization Association, or GALA, G-A-L-A, is a non-for-profit trade association connecting and supporting professionals and organizations in the global language industry. GALA's mission is to help their members succeed and to drive the language industry's development by building professional communities, sharing knowledge, and advancing best practices in the globalization sector. Allison is GALA's Executive Director. Over the past 10 years, she has served GALA in several roles and provided leadership for many of the association's programs and activities. As executive director, she leads operations at GALA and is responsible for the growth of the association, its financial stability, and for the expansion and delivery of member value. Allison has an undergraduate degree in biological anthropology and a master's degree in library and information sciences. A lifelong athlete and a lifelong learner, she enjoys podcasts, reading, and all kinds of sports and athletic endeavors. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk, Allison. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad to hear you. You're, you're doing well. And how are you managing with all this crazy situation in your area? Pretty well, I have to say. I live in an area that is oh, following the rules and following best practices and doing remarkably well. So I'm grateful for that. We're all, yeah, we're all wearing our masks and sticking to home as much as possible. So things are, things are good for me and my family here in Seattle. Let me start by asking you about your background and how you got started in the localization industry. Sure. Gala was my start in the localization industry. My background is in association management and in the early days I was working for an association in clinical psychology, believe it or not. And No way. Yeah, yeah. So different uh, industry altogether. And uh, I got started in localization when I applied for the job at Gala. Ooh, wow. Uh, so uh, how long have you been involved with Gala and, and with this industry? I came on board in 2010. So I'm in my 11th year with Gala and have obviously had to learn a lot about the industry during that time. And yeah, started as the events coordinator, very part-time and increased my responsibilities kind of year by year. And now here I am in charge. Okay. So now you mentioned how you got involved and can you tell me what does it mean for you to be part of this organization? I really enjoy the combination of being part of a mission-driven organization, an association, but also having the other foot firmly in business. I think of the localization and globalization industry as like this intersection where technology and business and language and culture all meet. And I feel really lucky to be in that space. It's super interesting. The people are interesting. The challenges are interesting. And like I said, the fact that it's business is also interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Alison, tell me about mission and vision. Most of us in the industry already know about Gala, but for those of us that are new or just looking at at Gala, um, where is the organization today and where is it headed to? Okay, so our mission, our official mission um, is to support the growth and development of our members and the sector by creating communities, sharing knowledge and promoting professionalism. And so what that means is that we are an association of companies, of members, and of course those companies all have individuals um, working for them. And we're here to support those companies as they strive to do their jobs better, basically. So to depending on what kind of company it is, we're here to connect them with others, to connect them with knowledge, to connect them with expertise. You know, our vision, so kind of the long term, where we want to go, where we want to be, our official vision is to be a trusted industry resource and to ensure that language, culture, and multilingual communication are indisputable priorities in global business. And so what that means is we want to do more for the industry as a whole, not only for our member companies. So with our mission, I talked about what it is that we do for our member companies, you know, creating a useful professional community. Where we want to go in the future is 
addressing kind of things for the good of the whole industry. So, for example, addressing interoperability standards or the talent gap or also evangelizing the value of this industry in global business. You know, we want people to understand that this is a critical, you know, language and culture are critical elements of global business. Absolutely. And while we are at it, the industry is evolving. I mean, technology is affecting everything that we do, whether it's uh, its own production of language, translation or interpreting or whatever, but it's also affecting the way we do that business. So, for example, project management is another area that technology is creeping into. Sales is another one. I'm guessing Gala has a lot of adapting to do in the next uh, few years as things are evolving. Do you have a, a vision for that, how you're planning to expand, broaden, or maybe even create niches within Gala to support all of these changes? Yeah, so as kind of a staff at the association, we're lucky in that we rely on our members for a lot of our expertise and content. And so one thing we strive to do is do trend watching and look for best practices. And so we, you know, unlike um, some of our peers in this space, for example, Common Sense Advisory does a lot of market research and, and Nimsy as well. We're not doing market research and kind of, you know, looking for those trends. We want to do is un- kind of unearth those and then share information about them. And so we do rely on our, our members as experts and as practitioners to share more knowledge and more information about that. So when you talk about the evolution of project management, you know, we'll bring in people to talk about that and to talk about the technology that's automating certain aspects of project management. Right, right. While we are still talking about that subject, how engaged your members are? From the sounds of it, you listen to Gala's members and their concerns, their advocacies and whatnot. So when these new technologies, these new opportunities present themselves to our industry, how do Gala members actually get involved? Is it through webinars, through uh, events, or there are ways that they, for example, bring in an idea to Gala and say, we want to create a department or an actual division for, for this specific area? Yeah, all of the above. So I'll give you an example of that, that last part that you talked about. Um, so somebody came to us after she did um, two webinars for us on the subject of machine translation post-editing. And right. she's really passionate about training post-editors. And to date, there's not really any agreed upon standards or procedures for training post-editors. So she came to us and said, you know, it would be cool if we developed a group that would work on creating a set of best practices or a set of procedures or kind of a a cookbook, if you will, for training post-editors because it's an issue that's important to a lot of LSPs. It's also important to client companies. So we are going to create a special interest group. That's what we call them. You could think of it as a task force or a committee, but the term we use is a SIG. So we're going to form a SIG on machine translation post-editing and put out a general call for participation and people who are interested and, and invested will join that and work together as community and collaborate on developing this set of best practices. Now, what you mentioned earlier, there's also things that you can just consume. So webinars, blogs, articles, conference sessions, you can just consume that content, take it in. Um, but then these SIGs are a way to contribute as well. And that's pretty exciting. Let me talk to you about the challenges that most industries, almost every industry experienced this year. 2020 has not been <laughs> a great year. I mean, you agree with me. Both in terms of, you know, how it affected the business and overall how people's psychology got affected. How about Gala? How did it perform over the past year, especially with COVID situation and lockdowns in place? Yeah, good question. Well, it was tough for us because we were coming off of probably our best year at Gala. You know, we had had our largest annual conference. We had more, um, let's just call them viewers. People were consuming our content at higher rates than ever before. We'd expanded our reach. We had a great year in 2019. And so when the pandemic started, the timing was lousy because it was right at the moment when we were meant to be hosting our annual conference in San Diego. And we made the tough decision, but it was definitely the right decision um, to cancel it. Now, the real challenge there is that we're a nonprofit organization and we have two basic revenue streams. We've got membership dues and we've got the conference. So there went half of our revenue stream. We had to slash our spending like to the bone and focus mainly on just core essential uh, projects and operations. It was kind of a lights on situation for us. We're going to be okay. We're going to burn through a lot of our reserves this year. We'll need to be very careful in the coming years and we're going to have to work on slowly, you know, building those back up again. But as an organization, we're going to come through it fine. And, you know, we made some fairly dire projections, which are happily not coming true. So for example, we prepared for like a 30% reduction in membership renewals because we didn't know how our members would be impacted. But it turns out that was too pessimistic and our renewal rates are down because people are other companies are also having trouble. 
but not nearly as, as low as we thought they would. So we're cautiously optimistic uh, at Gala. That's good news because it looks like the numbers are telling you that there is promising, there is light down the road. So things are yeah. changing and improving. It related to that question, I know that Gala also has a volunteer leadership that drives the decision making and so forth. So in a time like this, what is the value of uh, members who are volunteering to tier the organization? And do you need more volunteering support from people? The board of directors are all volunteers and they come from member companies that represent different sectors. So for example, we have two board members that are from what we would call client companies. So they're global businesses. Then we've got um, one from a technology company and we've got a few from LSPs, both big and small. And so they take their perspective from inside their company and their kind of their ecosystem and they're able to share perspective with Gala. And it can be a bit of a bellwether, you know, indicating which way the wind is blowing. Their expertise is varied. So for example, somebody's really good with financials and somebody else is really good with communications and marketing. And and so they also lend their support and expertise with advice in those arenas. In terms of, you know, calling for more volunteers, I would say that at the strategic level, we have this structure in place that's part of our bylaws and our system of governance. And so we wouldn't necessarily invite Invite lots more strategic direction. Right, um, right. We do that from time to time. Like, for example, when we developed our five-year roadmap, we took that to the membership and asked for input. But what we do love is engagement from members in some of the programs that we offer. So, for example, I talked about this machine translation post-editing SIG. Well, we really want to see that succeed. We're going to need people who are willing to participate and engage and do some work, right? Put in a little bit of elbow grease, as we say, to uh, produce a deliverable that then we can share with everybody. So, we do welcome that kind of participation from members and broader community. And not to spend too much time on this, but in order to implement Gala's five-year roadmap or even the current objectives that you have, would you say that delegating some of that work to tactical volunteers would be something that would help it achieve its objectives quicker and without spending too much of its resources? That's a good question. We're, we're kind of control freaks <laughs> a little bit <laughs> at Gala. We have a five-person staff. We have a couple more contractors, including like a web development team who does our website and our tech platform. We have had some people inquire, you know, do you want to outsource some of your social media? Do you want to outsource certain things to volunteers? And and our answer is generally no, because we like to, we're very mindful about our brand and about our messaging. And there's just not a lot of tactical work that can be outsourced without exerting like lots of effort in bringing somebody up to speed or teaching them our systems or giving them access to file systems and structures. Brings you to square one, you will be spending that much time and resources anyway. Yeah, I mean, we're a bona fide professional staff, you know, we're five full time people and we we operate like a small business, which, you know, most people or many people are familiar with what that looks like on the inside. And yes, we all wear a lot of hats. And yes, I'm the executive director, but I also like do the equivalent of licking envelopes. You know, we don't actually send anything (laughs) through the mail, but that's what I, you know, what I mean. We do have, yeah, but those are dedicated resources. That's the way Gala has been structured since the beginning. Of course, you briefly touched upon Gala's five-year roadmap. Can you enlighten us a little bit about that and what are the highlights? Sure. We, I think we developed this in 2018 and so we're kind of in the middle of year two. Um, We started saying that we wanted to strengthen what we do well and we wanted to kind of extend and enhance those core programs for our existing members. So what we focused on in the last year and a half is really making sure that our webinar program is dynamite, making sure that the conference is really good and basically thinking about getting to the core, essential, really valuable programs. So we focused on that in the first year. Now we're focusing on adding programs to reach and serve different audiences. And we do have quite a diverse membership. So we have to think about what our different segments need. So the SIGs that I mentioned, the special interest groups, those are a good example. We're adding, hopefully by the end of this year, three new ones. So the the machine translation post-editing training that I mentioned, um, global talent, and then interpreting technologies has been in the works for a while and we're trying to get these launched by the end of the year. So those are, for example, new programs that are meant to engage and draw in different segments of our membership. The longer term goal, hopefully by year five, we're really going to be driving adoption of best practices in the globalization and localization industry. And we want to advance industry development. So not just advance our members development, but advance development of the industry as a whole. And where that focus is things like interoperability 
interoperability standards, so TAPIC, and then the forthcoming Gala Interoperability Alliance. It's addressing the global talent gap or the shortage that we have in the industry of qualified people and figuring out how we can attract them to this industry. That's the longer term goal. And then the third part of that is really evangelizing the value of this industry to global business. So there's plenty of global businesses that understand the value and the purpose. But there's also lots of companies that are looking to go global or expand internationally, and they haven't a clue yet about best practices, about how that works. And so we want to reach the uninitiated and and kind of evangelize the value of using true professional services for that purpose. So, and Alison, Gala has always been business and social forum for localization professionals. This year, the annual conference has shifted to an online format like so many other events. What should participants expect? Something different, but still <laughs> still identifiable as a gala conference. And so if you think about what makes gala gala, it's the community. It's that sense of kind of solidarity. I think you said it when we were chatting beforehand about the feeling like a family sometimes. And so we can't replicate that exactly how it is in person, but we're going to try. We're going to have different networking sessions so that you can connect with community. It's a pretty cool platform that we're leveraging that should you know simulate uh, kind of what we do during refreshment breaks or lunch or speed networking, for example. And then, of course, solid content. You know, we really pride ourselves in having peer-reviewed content that's been vetted by a program committee of, you know, industry professionals filtered through a theme. And so we have, you know, probably 100 proposals that get whittled down to 30 that are selected in the end. We want to, you know, we want people to know it's not going to be the same as the in-person experience. But if somebody walks away thinking, hey, that was well-organized, I learned something useful, and I was able to connect with some old friends and meet some new colleagues, then we'll consider that a win. What is the average Gala member thinking today? I know there is no hard or solid data, but what do they tell you when you speak to them about the industry? Well, we have, since the pandemic started, we, we started doing pulse surveys uh, with the industry. So we did one for Q1 and we did one for Q2. So this is really the best source of data that I have on this. I also have a lot of anecdotal, you know, I have a lot of conversations with members. And I would say that my conversations with members corroborate what we see in the the member pulse surveys. So I'll just talk briefly about those if you like. Sample size is about 300 companies, some are members. And I would say, so with Q2, we're seeing a lot more optimism than we did in Q1. We've got 51% of people saying they feel optimistic about the next quarter and only 7% are pessimistic about the next quarter. So that's encouraging for us. I think the theme is, is instability. It still looks unstable. So what we see is this even spread in terms of I've seen increased demand, I've seen you know decreased demand. Our revenues has have increased. I mean, you've got some companies whose revenues have increased by more than thirty percent, and then you've got others on the other side of the spectrum. And so what we see right now is clear trend. We do see people cost cutting, just being cautious, mainly through travel expenses, obviously, also hiring freezes. But we see some companies that are scaling up. They're trying to offer different or new products and services. Some of them are. I would say this is maybe too strong a term, but hoarding cash, you know, they're just kind of holding and waiting. I see some that are making capital investments because now is the time that they have to focus on on implementing some of those things. And then I would say, like I said at the beginning of this, that their attitudes are optimistic about the next three months. And so we shall see, right? But what I would say is that we're kind of all over the map with good, bad, and neutral. Okay. Gala has membership representation from both the supplier side and the consumer or user side of the localization Mm -hmm. industry. Can you give me a breakdown of how it is uh, structured? Yes. And by the way, I should mention that the uh, member whole surveys are filled out by LSP, so not client side. Those are supply side. Is about 70% uh, LSEs. And so in that, we include both, you know, translation and localization agencies, but also software development companies, the likes of, you know, Plunet and MemoQ. And so any, you know, any TMS or or CAT tool. So that's 70%. Universities make up 13%. And then client companies or global businesses, 17% of membership. That's a good mix. Yeah, it is. I mean, considering that we started as an association for LSPs and it was only in, I think it was 2012 that we started allowing client companies to join Gala. And at the beginning, they were affiliate members, not even full-fledged members. That's been our fastest growing segment for a couple of years now. Very interesting. Shifting gears a little bit. uh, I know we talked about the conference earlier, but let's talk about networking and business development. How does Gala facilitate? 
facilitate trade among its members? Uh, for example, does it allow RFPs or RFQs to be published? Does it uh, make connections between people who are in specific niches and so forth? Like, is there such a thing there? Yeah, like a dating service. That would be smart. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have that at the moment. What we do is, I think what we do is we allow the different players in this very long and sometimes convoluted supply chain to work together. You know, sometimes they're competing against one another. Sometimes they're working together. And so we give them opportunities to meet and get to know one another. That happens primarily through events and then communities like the SIGs that I was talking about. So in a SIG, imagine the internationalization SIG, for example. You've got software developers from tech companies, big, giant global businesses. You've got, you know, local engineers from LSPs. You've got all kinds of people commingling in those communities. Um, That's just building your own personal network, but also on behalf of your company. Um, Events are the same that happens in the hallways and in meetings. Um, We also do loc mixers and we're working on shifting those to the virtual realm because they used to be in-person local events. Um, We have directories where you can find suppliers or find partners. We don't at the moment do anything official about RFPs or like you said, sort of this matching. I will occasionally field phone calls or emails where somebody's asking specifically and then I'll do my best to give them kind of a handful of of members that they could then reach out to. But it, it really comes down to whether or not a person is engaged. If they use their membership, if they take the time and make the effort to connect with others, then they're going to get something out of it. And one thing you should say is because we're a trade association and a, a nonprofit, we do have to be really mindful of, you know, we have to stay far away from any kind of price setting or any of these of kinds course. of conversations. But um, we sometimes like to just get them together and then get out of the way. The idea or, or the purpose of that question was the value that members see. There are lots of organizations where people go and become members and they just pay a membership fee. They don't know what is going on. There is no uh, business facilitation whatsoever. At the end of the day, people spend money because they're in the business of making money and these uh, four are supposed to connect them with people and enable them to actually do business. From the sound of it, Gala does allow networking that, that value is there. As a global organization uh, or association, how does trade fare among uh, Gala's membership in different geographical jurisdictions? So, uh, for example, do you see more buying happening by the uh, companies that are based in the northern hemisphere from the ones that are in the southern hemisphere? Do, mm. do you even do that type of the surveys or, or that data is not known to Gala? Yes and no. So the, the pulse surveys that I talked about earlier are, well, we do we do ask a lot of different kinds of questions, but we don't ask where business is coming from. That that would be an interesting question to ask. So that's something we could consider for the Q3, the Q3 pulse survey. So we don't know where business is coming from. What we do ask them is, you know, how do you perceive demand? How do you perceive or how are your revenues this quarter and what do you expect for next quarter? We do see some geographical variation. and But what I would say seems to be more influential is company size. And so, because we'll ask, we'll, we'll segment our results based on how large the company is. Like, is it 1 million or under? Is it 5 to 10 million? Is it over 26 million in revenues? We'll segment them that way. And we can also segment it geographically. And I would say that we see more variability in the company size than we do geographically. There are a few generalizations that I could make. So for example, Europe um, tends to be more pessimistic about the outlook. North America or the Americas actually both in general are more optimistic about future demand. Like I said earlier, sort of this overall lack of stability seems to be the the theme. And that's true because we saw changes between Q1 and Q2. So for example, in Q1, Asia was looking quite bad. But in Q2, its numbers were much better and more positive, optimistic also. And I'm not just assessing mood, also their reported revenues. So for example, in Q2, the Americas said they're assuming like a 70% rise in demand in Q3. No way. Yeah, we shall see if that comes true, right? (laughs) But larger companies, like obviously they're they're more buffered, I would say, from some of the, the losses. So if they lose a client or two, it doesn't have the same kind of impact as it would on a $2 million company. That's where the variability is, I would say. Okay, thanks for that answer. Actually, it clarifies a lot of things. And let's talk about Gala's strategy. You talked about the roadmap earlier, but Gala must have a strategy to remain relevant to today's economic and financial climate, given how things have evolved in the past few months. So you talked about the vision earlier. Where do you see Gala going in the next 24? months and how will it get there? We So the next 24 months are dedicated to kind of adding programs to reach and serve more segments of our audience. Also, kind of auxiliary to that is reaching and serving more of the what we call the uninitiated. And so the example I gave you earlier was companies that are just now considering going global or startups 
that know they want to expand internationally haven't yet done so. We want to reach them and kind of evangelize to them. So that's the focus. Right now, we're actually laser focused on something very operational. And we've had our head down for quite some time on this new technology platform. It's called an association management system and our new website, which will all be sort of coming out in late October. So unfortunately, I would say for the roadmap progress, we've been internally focused and operationally focused for a good six months, maybe even longer. And so we're all, the staff is all dying to be finished with this project and and, and move on and start thinking a little bit more creatively about how we're going to reach and serve these audiences. I did mention the SIGs. That's one example. We have entertained a few other a few other programs, um, but nothing has been kind of fleshed out and developed at this point. The one thing related to, you just mentioned the website, a few other Gala members that I've spoken to, they have several times told me that if there was an app where I could access most of the resources from uh, Gala's website, it would help me access a lot of things. Right now, it's not very mobile friendly. So is the new uh, website going to be more uh, responsive to mobile devices and so forth? Yeah, it should be. I mean, we're the, the team in Argentina is developing it with Bootstrap, which is, you know, kind of mo- mobile ready. We've done some testing so far and need to do more, but it's uh, definitely more friendly than the one now. And I think that's just a sign of the times. The, the website we're operating with now was developed um, in 2015. And okay. so it's been five years already. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. It has everything right. It's just on mobile devices, it doesn't show up yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Let me ask you about challenges. Uh, we, we've been talking about challenges uh, from the beginning, but what is the biggest challenge Gala is facing as an association right now? How can the members in the industry help Gala move forward with fewer obstructions and hindrances? You know, it was interesting timing the pandemic because I took the board through this exercise and I don't remember if it was the end of last year. It was recently. And we did this risk analysis exercise to look at our internal risks, our external risks and what we're going to do about them. And, um, you know, the two chief risks were that were a two stream revenue model, which I explained to you before. And we were saying, and if the conference failed, we'd be in big trouble. Well, lo and behold, we had, you know, pandemic, economic downturn. So we were living those those two risks. So I would say that's still very much a challenge for us. We need to diversify our revenue more um, than it is now. We need to be able to adapt to a world that possibly has far fewer in-person or large international in-person events. So that's a challenge for us is to kind of rethink this event model. Another challenge is that we have competition from all of the sources of free content. So, you know, we joke about how you can find anything on the interwebs, right? And anybody can share content. Anybody can throw up a blog. Any company, any member company for that matter, can have a webinar series or a blog series. And, um, you know, we have peers in the industry that also produce content. And we are largely a content-driven or a content-producing operation. Even events are, are driven by content and networking. Um, our webinar series, our blogs, our articles, it's all content. Um, and so that's competition. We need to address that. I think the differentiator there is that Gala is neutral. We're unbiased. We are nonprofit. We're not out to make a buck from our from our content. And we have a really vast community of experts that contribute our content and that we rely on, quite frankly, for our, our content. So that's the differentiator and we need to continue developing that. So you ask how the members can help move forward. If you're an expert in something, share your knowledge, right? Raise your hand, share your knowledge, be generous, give a webinar, write an article, write a blog series, you know, so so that's one thing. The other thing is engage. If you're a member and you pay your dues, that's great. We're grateful for that. But what we really want is for you to engage with Gala so that you see the value of what we offer and know that you're getting value and that your membership and your renewal makes that that possible. So engage, engaged members are happy members. Happy members um, are productive members. They contribute. They renew. Um, and that's what I would ask people to consider is don't just be a passive kind of sponge. Contribute something. Give back. Absolutely. And on that note, I think any member of Gala, and that includes myself, if we would like to see more business opportunities, more networking, obviously we need a bigger Gala family. We need more people to come in and join this family. So 
it kind of becomes a requirement on the members to promote Gala and market it in ways that Gala may not be able to do it by itself because of the changing in the fluid situation right now that we have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so the more people we bring in under this umbrella, the more there will be conversations and, and potentially more business opportunities. Totally. I definitely agree with that. Okay. So, moving on, let's talk about something you alluded to earlier, Alison. Yeah, you mentioned the TAPIC. And mm-hmm. Gala spearheads this translation API community standard. Uh, tell us what it is and why is it important for language companies Okay. Yeah, I love talking about TAPIC. Um, <laughs> so TAPIC stands for Translation API Cases and Classes, which is a pretty nerdy name. But what it really gets to is this technical interoperability challenge that exists in our industry. So we have a lot of different technologies, lots of CAT tools, lots of TMSs, just all kinds of technologies that are meant to and need to connect with one another. So if you're an LSP and you're serving a client, your system's need to connect to one another. Well, they also might need to connect to their CMS. And you get this very convoluted technical like spider web, right? And when there is no common standard for the way these technologies can talk to each other, which is APIs, then you end up with these very custom and proprietary solutions. Those are costly. They take a lot of time. They take R&D money and they create lock-in. So if you're a client and you're working with a particular LSP and they insist that you use X, Y, and Z technology, you're locked in. And if you want to make changes it becomes really onerous. And we object to lock-in as a kind of a a strategy for sales. We think lock-in stifles innovation and it prevents companies from competing kind of on a level playing field. So David Phillip is, he's the guy kind of at the the head of all of these standards challenges. And he likes to say that companies should be competing on the special sauce, not on the can. And so what we want is like a universal standardized can that everybody's using and they can now compete on the special sauce, whether that's excellent customer service or whether it, you know, a really amazing user interface. Like we don't know um, what they're going to compete on, but it shouldn't be on whether or not you can connect with other um, applications and have a really smooth process that saves time and money and efficiency is enhanced. So that's the, the crux of TAPIC and or the purpose of it. The structure of it was to develop working groups built of volunteers that worked on specific aspects. So for example, discussing what kind of metadata needs to be exchanged between systems when a project gets handed over, for example. Or, you know, another part would be actually writing some basic code for for API calls. So that's what TAPIC has worked on. And it's about to kind of hand the baton, if we're going to use a relay analogy, to the next generation, which we're calling the Gala Interoperability Alliance. And that we're hoping to launch in Q4. So I'll just sort of drop a hint now and people who are interested in this can Listen, why is it important to everybody? Because there's no technology, there's no company out there right now that's not using technology and that's not having to connect to their many, many, many client systems. And if they can save money on R&D or development or save time, they should want to. And if people want to get engaged and learn more about Tapic, where should they, should they go? The easiest place right now is the Gala website. There is a page dedicated to Tapic, and there's lots of um, what I would recommend is that people look at the presentations. And then if they want to get involved, they should reach out to me specifically. Because and, we're in this transitional period, I would say, between Tapic and the Interoperability Alliance. I'm very excited about this because in my previous life, I worked with standards quite a bit in the telecom sector. So whenever I see standards and interoperability being discussed, it excites me because especially our industry, localization has a middle name, which is fragmentation. This helps remove some of it, not all of it. I mean, we, we have fragmentation everywhere right now. So I'm very excited about that. And I look forward to this interoperability alliance. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, yep. Gala Interoperability Alliance. Yeah, looking forward to that. What other fora and groups does Gala offer its members to participate and take advantage of? Well, so the forthcoming Interoperability Alliance would be a good example. People who are interested in that can participate and, and contribute on certain levels. The the special interest group model is we've had two, the inter sorry, the internationalization SIG and the client SIG, we've had those two running for a couple of years. And like I said, we're adding more. And I think these I'm really excited about these because they allow members to 
participate and network and contribute around a topic that is of particular interest to them. And so it, it has a focus and it has an objective and it does probably have a life cycle and there will be an end to it at some point. But I think that's a really easy way. And the, what that looks like practically is monthly teleconferences, usually. Sometimes they're highly organized around specific topics, maybe brief presentations followed by a discussion. And then others are more um, action-oriented. So TAPIC, for example, had these four working groups. They had deliverables and they had milestones that they were meant to reach and deliverables they were meant to produce. And like I gave the example of the MTPE training right. SIG, their, their goal is to produce a deliverable that is a list of kind of best practices, procedures for training. And so, you know, when they are finished producing that, that might be the end of that SIG. But we welcome ideas for new SIGs, absolutely. And what it takes is somebody who's willing to be kind of a cheerleader and an organizer. And we have the kind of the platform to support that. We did try a, well, like a discussion board model. Uh, when we launched the website in 2015, we launched something called Gala Connect. Right. But it turns out that our people don't, that's not what they need. Just kind of another place to post kind of comments and inquiries. I think they're already doing that in other communities like LinkedIn and Facebook and whatever else. But so we're going to discontinue the, the Connect groups when we launch our new site in October. But the SIG model is meant to replace that and be a bit more substantial. That's interesting. So when it comes to engagement with SIG, people just simply show their interest. They sign up, they get approved. And then from that point onwards, they're part of that group and they contribute ideas. I guess they and they learn. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, what that might look like practically is you decide that you're interested in the, the let's say, interpreting technologies SIG. So you get your name on the list and then there are there's usually a steering committee, which is volunteers, and they will set the agenda. They will set the rhythm. So our, our goal is to do something like, okay, second Tuesday of every month, we're going to have a call 8 a.m. Pacific time. And you can put it on your calendar. And maybe one month they're going to be talking about remote video interpretation. And maybe you're not that interested in that and you'll skip it. Maybe the next month they're talking about, you know, the different technologies that are now used in over the phone interpretation. And But you're really fired up about that. So you're going to attend that. And maybe from that meeting, there's going to come, you know, hey, we should write a blog about this and publish it. And maybe you'll say, hey, I'll do that. I took great notes, you know, so or, or maybe you just sit and you listen and you meet some new people and you decide to white label their stuff later. You know, who knows what's going to come out of it. But we see we know that when we get our people together and we get out of the way, good things happen. Absolutely. Let's talk about Gala's role. And do you think that the role of Gala and its so many programs are well understood in, in the localization industry and beyond? Uh, for the most part, yes, in the localization industry. And I would give one caveat, and that is by the mature companies or the companies that have been around a long time. I would say that smaller companies, less mature, newer companies, they may not have heard of Gala. Also, we have quite a presence in Europe and also North America. So about two-thirds of our membership is based in Europe. Maybe about, well, 15 to 20% is based in North America. So we've, we've got work to do in certain geographies and certain regions. There are some other things at play too, like the mm, kind of the cultural expectations for what we call coopetition, right? Like right, there are right. certain cultural expectations like why would I share information with my competitor? That's crazy. And so we have to get over some of these biases. And I would say you you said beyond, you asked about beyond the localization industry. Nobody knows about it beyond the localization industry. Like you said, it's well, the fragmentation part, I, I, I like that. I'm going to have to borrow that. But <laughs> it's small. And, and I mean, even for like a 40 something billion dollar industry, it's still a bit of a cottage industry. Everybody, a lot of the players know each other. People People migrate from company to company during the course of their career. And inside, everybody knows about localization, knows what it is, what is the purpose, what's the value. And when you go outside, and a classic example is, you know, okay, imagine in the old days when we used to have social opportunities, I go to a party and somebody asked me what I do. It's like a two minute explanation for me to say, oh, I'm the executive director of blah, 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 blah. And they say, what that? And you have to explain it. And, and once you explain it, everybody, the light bulb goes on and they all realize like, ah, oh, yes, you know, that, you know, set of earbuds that I bought didn't come with, uh, you know, I could tell that the information had been translated or whatever. Once you explain it, people know. That's why one of our longer term goals is to evangelize and to reach the uninitiated. And it's just, it's hard to do because, you know, you're talking in some companies, it's a marketing function. In other companies, it's a purchasing function. In other companies, still, it's a, you know, part of communications. So getting to the right person in these, these new global businesses, 
business or the, or the businesses that are, are trying to go global, it's tricky to reach the uninitiated. So we have work to do there. And sure, we have work to do in certain regions. But by and large, I would say that a lot of the inner circle, quote unquote, inner circle knows who we are and so what we do. That's the problem, actually. If you think about it, globalization as an industry or translation, if you add translation and localization, if you separate them, they are not known outside our industry because two reasons. I think it's, there's an ego problem on our part because internally we are just thinking, if I know everything about this industry, everybody else knows it. And and we, in all of these conferences, and no disrespect to Gala or anyone actually, when we go there, we just talk to each other about the same thing that we've been talking about for years. We are not talking to people outside the industry. I don't know how you would do a better job of doing that. And I think the onus is not just on the players in this industry, but also on the associations. Do you think that Gala has uh, some work to do in order to reach out more and and get more attention to our our industry? Yeah, definitely. And got to come in. in, Well, we have to try things that we haven't tried before. And that might be, you know, advertising. It might be grassroots. It might be trying to present, let's just call them allied industries, you know, adjacent industries, trying to get presentations on their programs at their conferences, you know, so that we can talk about the work that we do in the context of the work that they do and teach them a little bit more about the value. So we've explored different ways. And and like I said, that's kind of our, those are our marching orders for the next, you know, year and a half or so. Naturally, translation localization is about content. We process content basically from one language to another and for a different culture, no matter how you present it, at the end of the day, it's about making communication and content available for a new market. I know that there are many, many content associations, content industry associations out there. In order for Gala to to attract interest from outside the industry, wouldn't it make sense to make some of its content available that may not be relevant to translation companies, for example, or people who see it as a premium content? But in order to gain interest of people as to what this industry is all about, is that something in the works? Would, do you think that would work? Yes. We've thought about like strategic exchanges of of content with different associations and that's one of the tactics that's on the list to try is to forge these associations with other associations and do kind of like a content exchange. I think that that's important. Something else in there that, that I'm forgetting but I had when you were asking it I was thinking what was that? Hmm. Yeah I mentioned like for example if we make some of the content available for free that mm-hmm. may not be premium so people from out of the industry can say oh yeah that's actually something that we need that's some this is the industry that covers that. We do make certain things free so blog and articles are all free. Certain webinars are free. I think the challenge is actually reaching those audiences to let them know how to find us and, and how uh, and that we exist. So we have worked with this latest go around on the web, website development to enhance SEO, um, make ourselves. We already have actually really good SEO. So I think the improvements that we could make to allow people to find us would be incremental. I remembered the, the other point that I wanted to make. I think we're also a little bit divided because on the one hand, our mission is to support our members and to deliver content that's really useful to them for advancing their businesses, their skills, their knowledge. But at the same time, as an association, it's a trade association, industry association, we are obliged to provide information to kind of general audiences to explain what it is that our industry does and why it's valuable. And so balancing the diverse needs of our main core audience, our members, with the needs of a super unsophisticated, let's say, external audience, that's a tricky balance to get right also, right? We don't want to overfocus on explaining the kind of the simple versions to the outsiders when our members really need the meaty, substantive stuff. So that's also a challenge. But these are things that are, you know, that are kind of on the radar and and on the to-do list. Like I said, one of the tactics would be forging alliances with associations and doing, you know, kind of content exchanges. So looking first at what we would consider to be adjacent industries, you brought up, you know, content. So Content Marketing Institute, for example, or any kind of digital marketing where it's obviously their mission to communicate, right? And they're going to have to do it in multilingual ways. Yep, those are good ideas you're suggesting and and ones that we've considered. And like I said, in the next, after we get this tech launch, we begin to focus on what's next. Another thing related to that, it's a good time to actually talk about that. Most of the associations that worked in a walled garden environment are seeing that the COVID implications are affecting a lot of things. So, for example, a lot of new avenues are opening up for people to network and connect. Today is, for example, there's a major localization event. I'm not naming them. 
and they mm. have uh, close to 3,000 people or something who have signed up for it. It's free. It's allowing dissemination of content, really, you know, relevant, real-time content that's happening today, and it's applicable to people's businesses, and they're attracting a lot of attention. So wouldn't it be in Gala's interest to become more open and basically create a tiered content approach where it, it brings in people or members to start consuming the basics, and then if they want to move to the next level, maybe they become members and, and, and pay for the premier content? We've explored other kinds of different membership models over the years. Um, and in fact, you know, we recently did it again about two years ago and it ended um, with us just keeping one price for membership and raising raising prices last year for the first time in a decade. So a couple of things, like we're not for profit, but it doesn't mean we don't have to make money. So Gala needs to make money. We already give right. away a lot of stuff for free. A lot of what's on the website is freely available to anybody. You know, what's behind the member wall are things like the webinar series, the visibility opportunities, like like being able to publish or speak or present on Gala's behalf, um, advertising, jobs, events, things of that nature, that's member only. But we do give away a lot of content. When we, we consider different member tiers, we considered based on benefit. We also considered based on geographical region, based on company size. And in the end, after weighing tons of pros and cons and all the trade-offs, the board ended up at the same place as we were before, which is one level of membership for any size company anywhere in the world. And so the challenge with the model you're suggesting is that you need to have a lot of different benefits that are where there's an ability to wall them off, right? And to kind of open the spigot or turn off the spigot depending on your status. We don't, it's not like that with Gala. There's a lot of benefits that are intangible, I would say, and hard to put a price on. And then sometimes what serves members is not to exclude people. So imagine a Loak Mixer. Those are events that in before COVID happened in a city somewhere and anybody could come to those. And it's good for the members because they want to meet more people, make connections, do business with others. If we limited that just to the members in that city, that's not really serving anybody. So it's complicated <laughs> is the short answer. <laughs> I understand. Let's talk about people and what they're thinking. I know you talked about this earlier. There is uncertainty. I'm sure many executives in this industry listening right now are thinking about so many unknowns and uncertainties. And you've seen that through the surveys and you know, anecdotally you've spoken with people as well. What would you say to put their fears to rest? Well, you said it actually earlier, you know, this is an industry that's founded on global communication and we're a professional services industry. The companies that are creating demand for our members, they're not going away and they're not changing. Now, if you look at certain industries, like if you were a company that was providing services to the travel industry, yes, you're suffering too. But some are thriving. In fact, like I referred to earlier, some folks are reporting 30% increase in demand. So demand is going to continue. There is an explosion of content and that needs to be translated and in our increasingly globalized world and I know that we've seen some you know kind of backpedaling with COVID and closing of borders and whatnot but we're still a globalized world and this demand for products and services in your own language is going to continue so the question is whether they're able to provide solutions that the market expects and demands and so I would say you know to put their fears at rest don't worry there's plenty of work what you need to focus on is how you're going to be the solution to somebody's problem and be proactive about it. You can't just wait and react because then you're too late. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. There is strength in numbers. What can we accomplish as a group in Gala? I'm particularly interested in some of these industry development initiatives because those don't happen without volunteers, without members pitching in. So TAPIC is a, is a prime example. There's probably 270 something people that were engaged with TAPIC. You know, fewer, of course, were the ones really doing the heavy lifting, but there were lots of people contributing and following along and it couldn't have happened without them. Global talent, you know, addressing how do we attract new talent to our industry? It can't only be, you know, students in master's in translation programs. Like where else are we going to get the talent? How can we tell them about this super cool industry? That's going to really depend on kind of the strength and numbers. We can't do it alone. And then, you know, what I mentioned earlier, Gala Interoperability Alliance, that is also going to definitely depend on kind of uh, the group effort from members. Okay. Tell us why it's more important than ever that uh, language companies should join Gala. What are some of the other benefits for Gala members that we haven't discussed yet? I mean, I think 
during hardship, there might be a tendency to want to curtail spending and to cut back. But that kind of contradictory to that is that's when you need support the most. And so I think that the timing is actually great to join Gala because you need support more than you did before. We discuss our, our benefits in three main categories. There's education, there's visibility, and then industry development. So I talked a lot about industry development. It's driving progress as a whole. This notion that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, special interest groups are meant to do that. The Interoperability Alliance, TAPIC, Global Talent. Okay. Visibility, that's really promoting your company, plain and simple. That's getting visibility opportunities like presenting a webinar, writing for us, speaking on our behalf at different uh, at different events. There's advertising opportunities, uh, paid advertising, for example. You can post jobs, you can post events, you can post press releases, you can leverage galas channels. Like, you know, for example, our, our monthly newsletter goes out to 13,000 contacts. When you're a member and you put something in the event calendar, it's going to go out to 13,000 people. So leveraging our channels and our network. And then education, of course, is a big one, right? Webinar series, um, articles and blogs, conferences. And then education can also be a benefit of the SIGs. If you're participating in these monthly teleconferences, then you're learning something generally. Absolutely. What advice do you have for localization providers? Uh, I know you talked about the fact that how they should put their fears to rest, but what is your advice for them? For providers, I would say, you know, you have to anticipate change. You have to watch the trends. You have to understand the the technologies that are being used. If you're not going to be an early adopter, that's okay, but you need to at least understand what's at play, what the benefits are, what are the trade-offs if you choose to stay on the sidelines rather than jumping into a new technology, for example. Um, And I would say for smaller companies, they should specialize. What we see is, you know, you've got the big behemoths and they can do everything in every sector. A smaller company can't compete with that. If they can't compete with the project management, with the sales team, the smaller companies need to specialize. If they have specific languages or a specific vertical or anything about them that's truly unique, that that's also, I think, uh, my advice for providers. As I reach my final question, Alison, uh, let me ask you about the best way people can find and communicate with you regarding Gala or any of the subjects we discussed today? Well, I mentioned we're a small team. We're small but mighty. There's five of us and you can people can reach out to us personally. Our emails are on the website and that's really honestly probably the best way. If you want to just learn things from a, a general kind of high altitude level, then the website is, is the way to go and I'm really excited because our new website is going to be just so much more user-friendly and have a much better user experience. So um, that'll be later in October. And then of course we do check-in calls and you don't have to be a member if you're just curious about membership or you want to know what the big deal is um, we have a calendar where people can sign up and we'll schedule a chat and just talk to you about you know talk to you about your membership how to get more out of your membership about why you should join member you know join gala and have a membership so um, any which way and like I said we're small but we're mighty and we're really focused on kind of customer service so we love the opportunity to, to connect and chat Alison I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today I hope we can check with you again soon and see how things are progressing The invitation is always open to you to come and speak with the industry through this channel. So thank you so much for your time and I really appreciate your insights. Likewise, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Okay, it is time to talk about products that are of interest to LSEs. As usual, we are going to review three items that our audiences in the language industry may find valuable. Today, my focus is on events because it is the conference season and given the myriad choices we have for online events, it would be better to filter down to the most important ones. It is worth mentioning that today, these events I'm reviewing are valid for this month or this year only. If you're listening to this episode later on, you may want to check the next set of dates for these events with their organizers. The first conference for review today is Gala Connected 2020 Virtual Conference, which will be held from the 22nd to the 25th of September. As a language company executive, you can network with the brightest and the boldest in the industry and discuss what lies ahead. Gala Connected 2020 features 32 thought-provoking peer-reviewed sessions from industry leaders, as well as many opportunities to meet new colleagues from our global community. Given its learning and networking potential, I will give Gala Connected 2020 Conference a 10 out of 10. Next up is the 2020 Association of Language Companies or ALC Virtual Summit which will be held from the 15th to the 17th of September. I have attended this event in person for several years and it never disappoints. It is three days of education, networking and collaborating with the brightest minds in the LLC industry. My company is a sponsor this year and we proudly support ALC and its initiatives. I give the ALC Virtual Summit a 10 out of 10. The third item on our list is events hosted or supported by women in localization. While there is not one specific 
specific event or conference here that I'm focusing on, they host a variety of webinars and online events and the quality is always top notch. Some of their events are region specific but most are accessible online. For example, this month they are hosting a webinar panel titled AI and Lights Out Project Management on the 17th of September. The panelists are highly experienced and respected names in the localization industry. I give events hosted by women in localization group a 10 out of 10 and encourage supporting this amazing group of professionals in our industry. That's all the time we had for today. Thank you for tuning in, and I'm sure you enjoyed my conversation with Allison. If you are not a member of Gala yet, you should give it a serious consideration as this is a powerful group within the localization industry, and as you heard, it represents membership from across the buyer and supplier side. Make sure to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on your favorite platform and give us a five-star review. Your comments and feedback are very important. Please keep them coming. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.